Hey everyone, welcome to the Happy Flosser podcast. My name is Billy Lunt. I am your host, and I am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program. Welcome, so glad to have you. The arterial blood supply to the head and neck region will be covered in this episode. This is important in dentistry because it is involved with the spread of disease and infection. Now, disease and infection spread pretty quickly in the area of the head, and this is due to the number of small vessels that are in this region. Dental procedures that we are involved in as dental hygienists, such as profies, perio maintenance visits, along with the use of local anesthesia, can introduce infection deeper into the tissue. Other procedures in dentistry that can cause infections are surgical procedures and other procedures that involve in that tissue. So in this episode, we are going to review all of the different branches of the arteries, external and internal, that you will need to know. Are you looking for study sheets? I've created study sheets that cover the content of this episode. If you're interested or that's something that's going to help you on your learning journey, you can click the link listed right in the description of these show notes. Happy studying! First, let's take a look at the external carotid artery. From the anterior, you have the superior thyroid, the lingual, and the facial. Now, the medial side contains the ascending pharyngeal. The posterior section contains the occipital and the posterior auricular. The terminal portion contains the maxillary and the superficial temporal artery. We're going to place our focus on the terminal branches of the external carotid artery first. Now, there are two terminal branches, the maxillary artery and the superficial temporal artery. These divide within the parotid gland. Starting with the maxillary artery, which is the largest terminal branch off of the external carotid artery, the maxillary artery passes through the infratemporal fossa and it branches at the neck of the condyle within the area of the parotid gland. The maxillary artery crosses the lateral pterygoid muscle and it enters into the pterygopalatine fossa just behind and below the eye. This is considered the maxillary region of the terminal branch of the maxillary artery. Now, this artery terminates in the infraorbital. Several of these branches follow the cranial nerve, V2, the maxillary branch of the trigeminal nerve. Now, this generally supplies the maxillary teeth, the nose, and the palate. The posterior superior alveolar artery is anastomosis with the ASA artery. So just to define anastomosis, it is a connection between two things. Now, the artery passage is the same way as the PSA nerve. The dental branches supply the posterior maxillary teeth, which includes the premolars and molars. The alveolar branch supply the premolars and first molar. The infraorbital artery follows the same path as the infraorbital nerve, 
traveling through the canal and it gives off branches to the orbit. The infraorbital artery runs through the infraorbital foramen. This terminal branch supplies part of the infraorbital region of the face and anastomosis with the facial artery. Taking a look at the anterior superior alveolar artery, this arises from that infraorbital artery and is a pathway for the ASA nerve. The dental and alveolar branches supply the maxillary anterior teeth, the pulp, and periodontium. It anastomoses with the PSA artery. It is important to note that it is rare to have an MSA artery and therefore the same is true of the nerve innervation. The maxillary artery gives rise to the descending palatine artery, which has two branches. The descending palatine artery travels through the pterygopalatine canal and passes through the greater palatine and nasopalatine foramina. The greater palatine and the lesser palatine arteries pass through the lesser and greater foramina and supply the hard and soft palate. The last component of the maxillary region is the sphenopalatine artery. This supplies the nasal cavity and gives rise to the nasal palatine artery. The nasal palatine artery passes through the incisive or nasal palatine foramen and it supplies the lingual gingiva from canine to canine. Next, let's take a look at the other terminal branch of the external carotid artery, which divides within the parotid gland, the superficial temporal artery, and branches are located just under the skin and are located in the temporal region. This gives rise to many arteries, including the transverse facial artery, which supplies the parotid salivary duct and gland. The superficial temporal artery also gives rise to the middle temporal artery and supplies the temporalis muscle. Next, let's take a look at the mandibular region of the temporal branch of the maxillary artery. The inferior alveolar artery arises from the maxillary artery in the infratemporal fossa. It enters into the mandibular canal by way of the mandibular foramen and travels within the IA nerve in the mandibular canal. The inferior alveolar artery has three main branches, the mylohyoid, the mental, and the incisive. Looking closer at the inferior alveolar artery, the dental branch supply passes through the apical foramen, and this supplies blood to the pulp and the tissue of the posterior mandibular teeth. The alveolar branches supply the periodontium of the mandibular posterior teeth, the bone, the periodontal ligament, and the facial and lingual gingiva, as well as the cementum. The mylohyoid artery arises from that inferior alveolar artery just before it enters the mandibular foramen, and it travels with the mylohyoid nerve on the medial surface of the mandible. This supplies the mylohyoid muscle and the floor of the mouth. The mental artery arises from the inferior alveolar artery, and it exits the mandibular canal by the mental foramen. After it exits the foramen, 
it supplies the chin region and anamostes with the inferior labial artery. The incisive artery arises from the inferior alveolar artery and it remains within the mandibular canal. It divides into dental and alveolar branches to supply the facial and lingual surfaces of the mandibular anterior teeth. Let's take a look at the pterygoid region of the terminal branch of the maxillary artery. These branches are located in the region of the zygomatic arch and the infratemporal fossa, and it supplies the muscles of mastication and some of the facial muscles. There are four paired branches. The deep temporal arteries supply the temporalis muscle. The pterygoid arteries supply the lateral and medial pterygoid muscles. The masseteric arteries supply the masseter muscles, and the buccal artery supplies the buccinator muscle. Now let's take a look at the internal jugular vein and the facial vein. The internal jugular vein drains the brain and does not have a one-way valve. This is how it's different from the external jugular vein. It exits through the jugular foramen. The largest branch of the internal jugular vein is the facial vein. Now the facial vein drains into the internal jugular vein. This is true of all facial veins. The facial vein starts at the medial corner of each eye. It follows the same pathway as the facial artery returning to the heart. The facial vein is located just superior to the hyoid bone. Facial vein anastomoses with the deep veins such as the pterygoid plexus of veins in the infratemporal fossa. It also anastomoses with the large retromandibular vein, which we'll talk about. The supraorbital vein is located in the corner of the eye and frontal area. The superior labial vein is located on the upper lip. The inferior labial vein is located on the lower lip. The ophthalmic vein is located on the tissue of the orbit. The lingual veins drain the tongue and the floor of the mouth and follows the lingual artery and nerve. There are smaller veins that follow the lingual artery. The sublingual veins drain the floor of the mouth. The dorsolingual veins drain the dorsal surface of the tongue. The deep lingual veins drain the ventral surface of the tongue and are noted during an intraoral exam. Sometimes these deep lingual veins can become enlarged, known as a variant of normal as variscosities. And this is described as a purple or red area on the ventral and lateral surfaces of the tongue. The lingual veins are important from a clinical perspective because they are capable of fast and effective drug absorption. There are many drugs designed for sublingual administration due to this anatomy. The submental vein is the last branch and drains the tissue of the chin and the submandibular region. Now let's take a closer look at the retromolar vein which drains into the external jugular vein. Now remember, the external jugular vein drains the superficial areas 
and merges with the subclavian vein. And there is a one-way valve at the base of the neck near that subclavian vein. The external jugular vein crosses over the sternocleidomastoid muscle, which is the largest branch of the retromolar vein. First, let's do a brief anatomy overview of that retromolar vein and the branches. The branches that we will look at are the superficial temporal, the maxillary, the pterygoid plexus, the posterior superior alveolar, and the inferior alveolar branches. The retromandibular vein drains into the external jugular vein. Starting with the superficial temporal vein, this drains the lateral scalp area and drains with the maxillary vein into the retromandibular vein. The superficial and maxillary vein form the retromandibular vein. The pterygoid plexus is located in the infratemporal fossa and wraps around the maxillary artery. A number of veins drain into this complex area. It will drain deep portions of the face into that maxillary vein. The pterygoid plexus protects the maxillary artery from being compressed during mastication. The pterygoid plexus is located near the maxillary tuberosity and is located on the external portion of the skull. Now, due to the location, the pterygoid plexus could be pierced during a PSA nerve block if the needle is overinserted during administration. The pterygoid plexus drains veins from the deep points of the face and then drains into the maxillary vein. The pterygoid plexus has anastomoses with the facial vein. The pterygoid plexus may also be involved in the spread of infection to the cavernous venous sinus. Significant infection may spread between the teeth and the brain. Now remember, veins do not have backflow valves, which means that the blood can flow back and forth from the venous sinus to the pterygoid plexus. Now the cavernous sinus is located internally in the area of the sphenoid bone on the inside of the skull. There is anastomosis from the right and left side of the brain, which creates communication between the right and left side, as well as the right and left sinus and the pterygoid plexus. The cavernous sinus communicates by anastomosis with its contralateral sinus and also with the pterygoid plexus of veins. The internal carotid artery and certain cranial nerves, 3, 4, V1, V2, and cranial nerve 6, are branches passing through that blood-filled space of the cavernous venous sinus. The only anatomic location in which an artery travels through a venous structure is here. Let's take a closer look at some of the veins that drain into that pterygoid plexus, starting with the posterior superior alveolar vein. This exits by way of the apical foramen. The dental plexus drains all of the pulp tissue, periodontium of the maxillary teeth, and this includes the alveolar plexus. The posterior superior alveolar vein empties into the pterygoid plexus and the maxillary vein. There is no mention of MSA or ASA. Only the PSA is referred to in this anatomy. 
Let's look at the palatal area. The greater palatine vein drains the hard and soft palate and the lingual gingiva of the premolars and molars. The nasopalatine vein drains the anterior hard palate and the lingual gingiva from canine to canine. The inferior alveolar vein drains the dental plexus of the mandibular teeth and the alveolar plexus. The mental branch passes through the mental foramen and drains the chin area and anastomoses with branches of the facial vein. The maxillary vein is located just behind the pterygoid plexus, and this runs behind the neck of the condyle. It's located in the infratemporal fossa, and it gathers blood from that pterygoid plexus. It then merges with the superficial temporal vein to drain into the retromolar vein. Remember, the retromolar vein is formed by the superficial temporal vein and the maxillary vein and it's located in the area of the parotid gland and the anterior division merges with the facial vein. Now, before merging, most blood will drain towards the external jugular vein and some will drain into the internal jugular vein. The posterior branches of the retromolar vein drain the temporal area, the posterior auricular area, and the occipital area. It is continuous on the surface and all of the sternocleidomastoid muscles, and it merges with the external jugular vein. Now, I have to tell you, learning how the blood flows through the head and all the branches can be really challenging when you're learning. It's important to know that the names relate to the landmarks, so everything that you've already learned about the skull and all the anatomical structures will really help you develop an understanding of the terminology. The best way to learn this stuff is to just sit down and memorize it at first and really look at your coloring book pages, your diagrams, and your actual skull when you're in your lab sessions. Take that information and once you've identified the landmarks and then you can see where the landmarks are, understand how the arteries and nerves flow through those structures, then you can actually consider the functions. So you can see how the anatomy of the head and neck all layers on top of one another. Think about the muscles of facial expression Think about the actual bones of the head and neck, and this will all kind of come together as you're putting all the layers together and visualizing. Unfortunately, the best way to learn about the head and neck structures starts off by memorizing. And then once you can understand the memorization of the actual location of all of these parts, then you can understand the function and how everything works together collaboratively to bring blood to the head and bring blood away from the head. And unfortunately, that's just the way it is. And for most of us, that can be really challenging. It takes quite a bit of time to understand the structures and the components, but once you understand the terminology associated with those components after you locate them, it will all start to come together and make sense. I hope that this podcast really helps you in creating an understanding. And it might be helpful 
if you're listening to this podcast, to actually look at your diagrams and coloring pages as you're listening, if that's something that you can do. Thanks for listening today. I hope this episode was helpful for you on your learning journey. Join me next time where we will be discussing how to write a great cover letter and resume in order to get you the best chance of landing an interview. I hope you'll join me. I would invite you to ask any questions at all that you need answered. Sometimes questions come up when you're listening to this podcast. If you have a question, most likely someone else has the very same question. I'd be happy to answer it and would probably share it in a future podcast.